Timmy, Wayne, and Jonathan. I'm Aaron. This is Wayne. This is Tim. This is Jonathan. So, you know, it was my birthday this week. Oh. I know. Yours too? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And at work, they got they brought an Elvis impersonator in to uh, sing to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's awesome. <laughs> and so... That's yeah. so random. We have the well, you know, when I when I sing happy birthday to people at work, I do it in Elvis voice, you know, happy birthday to you. So that's why they got me a uh, an Elvis impersonator. So we're <laughs> we're we're in our we have this huge project going live on 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 uh, Monday. And so we we're having this huge town hall meeting. You know, there's like 300 people in the room. And they bring in the Elvis impersonator. And, you know, he is up there and he's gyrating and singing and whatnot. And he is singing, uh, I can't help falling in love with you. And he's singing it to me, right? And he gets to the break on the song and says, you understand I normally sing this to chicks, right? <laughs> it cracked me was, up. <laughs> was he impersonating uh, thin Elvis or fat Elvis? Uh, he was fat Elvis. Oh, okay. Who's bad, Elvis? In in the white jumpsuit, the the whole bit. I need an entire podcast of Aaron talking in Elvis voice. I don't. I don't think there's another way to go in this podcast anymore. I'm I'm actually really surprised that uh, that Aaron has has left that one uh, off of Rainsboro as a voice. That's what I was about to say. At very least, I need an NPC. (laughs) Coming up, an Elvis impersonator driver. Yeah. He'll be the next hero. He's the pocket <laughs> square. The voice of the pocket square. <laughs> <laughs> pocket square would oh, not lower joke. himself to doing that. <laughs> pocket square is the hero we need and the hero we want. And deserve. Kind of. You kind of deserve. I don't know if we deserve it, but we need him and we want him. So, you know, one of the things I've been doing over the last two months is shopping for a new car. And can I just say that... Uh, some of the biggest idiots on the planet are car salesmen. Mm. Just saying. I mean, I'm not saying oh, yeah. that they're all idiots. I'm just saying that I think that uh, you know there is a disproportionate share of, uh, of of idiocy amongst the car salesmen. I I went and met with this one guy, and I'm like uh, I'm like, well, you know, I like the car, I like the features. The problem is, is that I'm looking for it in blue. And he's like, oh, so you want a blue car? I'm like, yep, yep, I want a blue car. He says, well, I've got it in white, and I've got it in black, and I've got it in red. I'm like, yeah, I don't want any of those. I want it in blue. He said, oh, I don't have that. I said, well, you know, if you get it, call me. So he calls me, and he's like, hey, I got your car. You know, and he leaves me a message in my voicemail. I've got your car. I've got it pulled up. It's waiting right here. Come on over and get it. And so I call him back. I'm like, "Uh, so what do you got for me? He said, well, I got the car you want. I said, well, tell me about it. And he's like, well, it's got all the features you were looking for. It's, you know, it's the model you were looking for. I'm like, yeah, but what color is it? He goes, it's the color you wanted. What color is it? And he's like, it's the color you wanted. And I said, man, tell me what the fucking color is. And he's like, it's white. And I'm like, dude, you and I had a long conversation about this. I'm looking for a blue car. And he's like, oh, blue, blue is which one? Okay, well, I've got that. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think you do. And he's like, no, I've got it. And I'm like, I tell you what, you go out there, you, you see the car, you pull the car up, and then you call me with a picture of you and the car, and I'll come out and talk to you. He doesn't call me back for two days. Third day, he calls, and he's like, okay, I've got your car. It's exactly the color you wanted. It's juniper green. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Anyway, that's that's been my experience in shopping for cars. It's not that car salesmen are idiots. It's just that they are scumbaggy, just the worst cocksuckers you could ever run into. Like I, my my stepdad, my stepdad was a car salesman, and he was a piece of shit. And his friends, <laughs> pieces of shit. I've never met one that wasn't. Oh, I just imagine yeah, the guy I was, is uh, blind. When I bought <laughs> when I bought the car, I have I hit a couple dealers, and uh, I I was out there. I saw one I liked, but it was a used one that had like high mileage. I was like, okay, I like this model. If you get one in, that you know, I gave him a mileage thing. And then he calls me like every day with cars that are nothing like what I asked for. Right. Even after I tell him, oh, no, I decided I was going to just go buy a new car from someone else. Like, I'm I'm not going to be interested after I've bought a car already. But still, he would call me every day. Yeah. Business business must be must be slow for the uh, cars, car dealerships around you guys, because I know I know uh, 
like my my stepdad was one of the top grossing guys at, at his company and it was like his his approach was just like if he even got an inkling that his time was being wasted he would just tell you to fuck off <laughs> <laughs> and only like that's 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 basically how he made his money was just like realizing what was not going to be a sale oh, sure, yeah. tossing it to the wayside and and getting the most amount of uh of customer interaction well, and I, throughout and I th- the day. I think that there are uh, few and far between are the really good car salesmen, guys like, you know, what you're describing with your stepdad who understand what's going to be a sale and what's not. Um, you know, I, I did a little bunch of research, you know, did my, my, my consumer research, my sales research before I actually went out to the lot. And the first day that I went out to the lot, I wanted to just look at the cars. Didn't want to drive a car. Didn't want to have to give them any of my information. I just needed to compare, you know, the two different versions of the car to see which one I wanted. And so, you know, I pull into the parking lot, and this little guy comes over and he goes, "Yeah, how can I help you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm interested in the Santa Fe. I need to know what the difference is between the Sport and the regular. Uh, I just want to look at cars." And he's like, "Okay." So we start heading. He says, follow me. And so we start walking towards the showroom. I'm like, well, why the hell are we going to the showroom? I want to look at cars. But, you know, I'm like, well, maybe he's got them like right next to each other in the showroom and he's going to be able to show me to show them to me. So we walk in the showroom, walk between the cars and, and go to his desk. And he's like, have a seat. And I'm like, why am I having a seat? I want to look at cars. And he's like, well, you want to drive one, don't you? Like I'm an idiot. And I'm just like, dude, this is not how you're going to make a sale today. And I just turned around and walked out and found another guy. The next guy I got was a mumbler. I said, uh, so what's the difference between the Santa Fe Sport and the Santa Fe? As you know, well, you see there's a very – and a third row. And uh, I'm like, dude, you got to speak up. <laughs> I mean I'm having to fuss at this guy to, to you know, be understood. This is why this is why I could never take that sort of job, even though I've had several offers to go sell cars, is because my my approach to sales is just like, all right, well, look around, tell me what you want. <laughs> so I think you what know, actually I'm happened here. If you've here. Got a question. I think what actually happened here is when Aaron and I both walked into car dealerships, they probably saw us coming in. And they're like, you know, this guy looks like an asshole. Let's <laughs> screw with them. <laughs> We're assuming they're idiots, but in all reality, they're just having fun screwing with us. I I, I hate buying cars. I hate buying cars. I, well, uh, do you like the greatest American hero is coming back to TV? I, you know, I'm actually kind of excited about that. I loved that show when I was a kid. That's the show I, that had William Cad in it, the uh, blonde uh, Brillo-headed guy, you know, who finds the suit. I have no idea what that show is. Oh, that's, I, uh, the, guy, that's the guy from Ted. Yes. Now I understand. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of it, but I have seen some of it. And uh, when I first saw it was coming back, my initial thought was, uh, why? Yeah, it was a product of its time. I don't know that it really holds up as well. And I was wondering what would they do with it. And then I saw who was attached to it. The directors from the Lego movie. I knew that would get you, Wayne. I knew and that Clone High. Phil, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are the ones that are doing the reboot. Now I'm interested. Is it going to be a, uh, a dark reboot with a lot of Inception sounds? <laughs> Maybe. Now, do, do none of you – I mean I, I know that Wayne does, but the rest of you guys not remember this show at all? No. Okay, so the the, the premise of the show – and I'm going to say this was an 81, 82 show – was that uh, aliens leave a superhero suit but fail to leave the uh, instruction manual. And so every, he has the superpowers when he puts on the suit, you know, and it's a Superman-ish type of suit, you know, long johns and a cape. And, uh, you know, he's just spectacularly bad at using his powers. And yeah, he has like he has like a government handle handler um, played by Robert Culp, I think, back in the day. Um, but uh, you know, it was, it was really kind of a fun show, and it had that theme song. You know, uh, oh god, what was that? What was that theme song? Uh, I don't know the name of it, but it's like stuck in my head now. Yeah, well, I remember the the when when on Seinfeld when George made his answering machine. You know, it says, uh, "Believe it or not, George isn't at home." <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, was the name of the song. <laughs> but how how was the how was the rogues gallery on that show? Uh, bad. It was, oh. all, it was all it was like bank robbers and uh, you know oh, okay. like you know Superman from the fifties. They they might want to update that part of it, and and hopefully actual. they will. Hopefully they will. But you know, I always thought that that show was kind of fun. And now you it, know, it you definitely, go ahead. It was definitely dated. You know, when I tried to watch it uh, a couple years ago. 
But I, I think if I would have watched it back when it was on, I would have really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun for a kid. You know, given the effects have kind of caught up to the storytelling these days, I, I think that uh, I think that could be a lot of fun. Well, it, it kind it of might reminded have been fun me of Shazam. For, yeah, it might it might have been fun for a kid, but then what was your excuse back in 1981 and 82? Nobody likes you, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I saw Twitter. Apparently, you turned 75 this week, right? <laughs> That Paul's a bastard. You know that, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, another great piece of uh, superhero TV is returning. Uh, news came out, I think, just yesterday that Amazon has signed Patrick Warburton to reprise his role as the Tick in the live-action Tick series. That's exciting. I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. That I, You know, I remember when, that, when the live-action series first came out, I was uh, – initially turned off that they had changed some things from the cartoon but i gotta tell you you know in the cartoon the the batman uh uh ripoff was deflator mouse but on the live action series he was batman well and i gotta tell you batman well cracks me the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i'm I'm down for that I, i like batman well much better than deflator mouse well, you know, I, I, I like both. I, I you know, I, I think one of my favorite uh, moments from the cartoon series was uh, uh, Deflator Mouse is on the rooftops with Arthur, you know, uh, the tick sidekick, the moth. And, you know, there, there's this crime going on down the street. Someone's getting mugged or something. And, and Arthur's like, oh, we got to go down and stop. Thing. I goes, well, wait, wait, wait. You don't want to get involved in that. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't want any of that. That's trouble. You don't so want that. It's on Amazon. What is? What is it going to be? Is it going to be on Amazon Prime then? Yeah, I think so. And oh. Tim will never watch it. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Sad. Well, you know, they, they just keep adding stuff out there that's going to make me get a Prime membership. It sounds like it. Yeah. Andrew, can we all go over to Andrew's house and watch it? He's a Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that now. Yeah. <laughs> Road trip. Andrew, we, we know you're working 60 hours a week, but come on, buddy. Take one for the team. Why don't you make, why you make some, us some popcorn? We're going to come over and watch some stories. Yeah. yeah he doesn't little, have little to be Andrew. there when we do it. We'll just go in. Yeah, listen, little Andrew needs to see the tick. It has to happen. <laughs> and you're obviously not going to do it. That's correct. That's correct. So anyway, I'm excited about uh, the tick. I, I, I got really got a kick out of that show. Yeah, I mean uh, – I will see it, but uh, <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. In some way, it's gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm on season four of Game of Thrones, so I'm saying. <laughs> I kind of expect once the uh, the series is run a season, they'll probably release it on DVD. Yeah, that's what that's what Amazon's been doing. Is you know they they do their run and then drop it to uh, DVD. And that's they what I'll do, because I'm not getting an Amazon membership anytime soon. They, they don't wait uh, nine years like HBO does, do they? No. No, I, oh, think, okay. I think it's, you know, uh, like three months after the last episode. See, my frustration with the HBO shows used to be uh, I would actually rent them. You would either do, like, they're typically not on Netflix, but I would go to a, uh, a local movie store and actually rent them. And they put, like, two episodes on a disc. They want as many discs as possible in the season. That that used to piss me off when I when I would get Netflix DVDs in the mail, is that if I wanted to watch a TV show, it would take up like my my Netflix my sure. Netflix disc for like a month. Yeah, and so HBO it, was the worst about that. So it took you a while to get through Downton Abbey. Is that what you're saying, Jonathan? I watched episode one of Downton Abbey about a year ago. That that was it for me. <laughs> I was like, this is this is not my type of show. Like, is it not? I, I thought there was going to be aliens or somebody gets superpowers. <laughs> Those are the types of shows I watch. Uh huh. That well, and House of Cards. Well, I believe that there was probably some kind of superpowered footman. You know, he was the footman. You know. He was, there, he, was, he was out there helping people with their bags with abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Which, by, by the way, if, if if Kevin Spacey ever needs a stunt double or whatever, uh-huh. Aaron Head is Francis Underwood. I'm just fucking saying. <laughs> Holy that's, shit. That's what, I, that's what I love about House of Cards is, to me, it's got the most relatable protagonist I've ever seen. I love that show. <laughs> I love House of Cards. So uh, we, we weasel we weaseled it in again, Aaron. I'm very happy. <laughs> so uh, you know, speaking of politics, letter forty four. Uh, uh, you know, 
Letter 44, it seems like it seems like the space mission is sort of the distraction for like the real story. Now yeah. that we're into it some. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It does. Yeah, absolutely. Cuz you've got you've got you've got old old president going to the European Union it looks like and going, "Here's everything that's happening." So that can't possibly go badly now. <laughs> um yeah, and then you see that they, you, then I don't know, Aaron, how how do you feel about the action scene in space? You know, um I'm trying I, I read 3 issues of this back to back last night to get caught up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to make sure that I'm 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 talking about the right issue. So yeah, um I I'm not sure what they're doing up there in space. You know, they they finally have the aliens have finished building their big construct, the chandelier, and it fired and blew up a moon. Now it's just a small moon, but uh, you know, as they say in the book, in one shot they have delivered more fire, firepower than uh, the, the the than Earth could if they discharged all of their nuclear weapons at one time. Yeah, so, and it left me wondering what was the purpose of that. Was that a test shot? A calibration, a show of force. You know, I don't know. We, we don't have enough information. I mean, part of me thinks that you know maybe they're trying to realign some orbits or something around Jupiter. I don't know. I'm not altogether sure that the aliens are hostile. You know, well, and I don't, I don't I mean, think the characters are either. I mean, sure they had a, an unfortunate uh, experience with the aliens, but I don't think that they're. I mean, if the, if the aliens wanted them dead, they'd be dead. Well, let's be fair. I mean, everybody on that ship is American, right? Right. So if they find a new and unique civilization, our job is to fucking kill it. And that's <laughs> that's plan A. Like, the president should be on the phone going, you need to Randy Quaid Independence Day that thing next time it opens up its anus to shoot something. That has to happen. <laughs> like, why else did we send you up there? We didn't send you up there to fucking, you know, take pictures and then come back. No, no, no. Y'all knew what you signed up for. Ramming speed. Let's go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? What else are they going to do? It's not like they've had a real good... It's not like t- talking to these things has turned out real well. Fair well, point. And I think you made a, another point. They weren't sent up there to take pictures and come back. Because didn't they uh, establish early on they didn't have enough fuel to yeah. get back? It's a one-way trip for them. Yeah. Well, they ha- they they sort of half-assed it and be like, "Here's here's a pneumatic drill. If you can find some stuff on a, on some random moon, you know, maybe you can get back." Which is a bunch of bullshit to make them feel a little better about the fact that they're not coming back. Well, you know, it's kind of like NASA's early plans for the moon mission. You know, we don't have to figure out how to get them back. We just have to get up there and send them the tools to figure out their own way back. You know, that was the <laughs> that was one of the early 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 plans for the moon mission. You guys figure it out once you're up there. <laughs> okay. Okay, 30-second side thing. Did you guys see Buzz Aldrin do the ice bucket challenge? No. Yes. Yes, He was wearing a shirt that says, get your ass to Mars. (laughs) I want that shirt. You know, and I'll be a little bit, uh, I don't know, picky about people doing it that just use a, uh, a cup like he did, except for him. Because he gets a pass. He's really old, so I don't want to see him dump a whole bucket on himself anyway for health reasons. But two, he strapped himself in a giant missile and shot himself to the moon. You know what? He gets a pass. I, I'm not going to uh, challenge his bravery by just dumping a cup on him okay. instead of a bucket. So since we're making this deviation, a couple of things. One. Mine was tied to space, by the way. Okay, but now we now we have unleashed the yeah, you know, ice bucket challenge. Okay, so, so yeah, one, I don't understand it. I don't understand this ice bucket challenge thing. I really don't. Um, have you seen Paul's video? Because Paul did it. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. I have not seen this. Paul was, Paul it, a, uh, was Paul wearing a white t-shirt? No. <laughs> because that, that's been my problem with the ice bucket challenge. I, I watch those videos to see people in white shirts do it and not enough. Mm-hmm. So, Aaron, I didn't get it before I did it. Uh-huh. Now I can tell you part of the fun of it is watching the people you challenge go through their misery. Because I've had a ball after doing it. <laughs> and watching all the people I challenge go through it and try to one-up me on it. Because I didn't do any one-up me. I just did the challenge. Well, I guess what I don't understand is it was initially created to uh, raise funds, and I don't understand how it's raising funds now. 
I mean, well, it just seems to be about a whole bunch of people dumping ice water on their heads. You're basically, if you're challenged, you're supposed to donate. You have the option, if you're going to do it, of either donate a hundred dollars to the charity uh-huh. or dump ice on your head and donate ten. And then you're challenging other people to do the same. And it's raised millions of dollars for, you know, for Lou Gehrig's disease. Now, did y'all see the guy who uh, did the ice bucket challenge and he dumped the ice bucket over himself and his infant granddaughter? No. no. <laughs> I saw that I on the news. I didn't see that week. one, but I saw someone do the challenge on a horse. Yeah, that's and the one horse freaked out and threw her from him. Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> so what the horse is saying, fuck ALS. Is that I, I, I think if they really want the, the ice bucket challenge to mean something, they need to do this in December. <laughs> Absolutely. It should be in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what they're waiting involved. to do. If, oh, they're waiting until like December to challenge me. I get right, it. Right. There you go. There you yeah, go. So that would be fantastic. One of the guys that I challenged did the uh, – he had been challenged by two people, so he said he felt he needed to up the ante. So after the first bucket, then he grabbed the second, pulled his shorts out, and dumped it straight down his shorts. And I was talking to him later. He's like, the worst part was all of the ice on my balls. All right. Well, does anyone else have anything else to say about Letter 44? So, you know, Letter 44 is still in development for a uh, TV show. And, uh, uh, you know, I... I'm what I thought has been kind of interesting about the, uh, the this current arc because they're kind of telling you some of the backstory. It does seem very uh, televisiony in the way they're telling the the backstory on these characters. You know, kind of showing how they got the gang together. You know, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this book and I'm going, I don't see how this is going to be sustainable. Like they've lost two crew members out of what was it, eleven or twelve, mm-hmm. and now they might have just spaced two of them. I think the aliens like, have them. I don't think they're actually gone. I think the aliens got them. I, okay. I, I, have a question. I, I have a question about this book because this was the only issue I've read. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. um, why, why is the first lady so young? Like well, And kind of a whore. Well, well that, but that, that, that's that's my thing. Like she's talking about, she's talking with this old ass congressman about a relationship that they used to have fifteen years ago, and I'm like, that dude's a pedophile because she was like five, ten at most. Maybe she's had a lot of surgery. <laughs> she she's the she's the best looking first lady of all time. I just want you to to put yourself in uh, his position and imagine, you know, uh, Barbara Bush. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I'm kind of a Barbara Bush guy, i got to be honest. Yeah, you know, so, you know, Uh, no, I thought thought I'd offer to speak with you in exchange for backing off. And just think about that as bar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I just didn't understand, like, when I... uh, I was just like, maybe this is the president's daughter. Definitely not his wife, though. Like they, they, they drew her like a like a comic book, good looking chick. Not, not. I, I think she's an outer, I think she's an outer space alien. Look at that forehead on her. She can't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I also, I, I didn't care for the art. I mean, at first, I, I was like, ah, it's, it's the art looks kind of weird, but you know, it's not a superhero setting, so I guess it kind of works. And then later on, I'm just like, hey, it looks worse just the longer I look at it. Well, I, I love that, that Queen is performing for uh, the first lady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm glad <laughs> Queen made it through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, huh, Freddie Mercury's still alive. Huh. Uh, this is a world I can get behind. That's right. Aliens, nothing. Yeah. I want some more Freddie Mercury. Fuck yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I'm still enjoying the book, but I have to say, I, I'm not enjoying this arc as much as I did the first arc. The first one really grabbed me, and I was hooked. This one, it seems like part of the story is being dragged along, which is the space part. And it's spending a lot more time focusing on you know, what's going on back at Earth, which I don't have a problem with necessarily, except I think the space part is, you know, it's suffering for it. Yeah. I think it's hard to, get, you know... It's hard after you hit a home run like that because they all knew that the first arc was going to be the find the exploration and the finding out what was going on. Right. Well, I, and I, it's it's such a it's such a fantastic pitch, you know, the letter 44 being the letter to the 44th president from the from the previous president. 
you know, talking about, you know, outer space aliens. I mean, it's a yeah. great premise for a story. Oh, that's what that means. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, because it's the letter that uh, the outgoing president left for the new president in the, in his desk drawer in the Oval Office. Um, yeah. You know, that's a great idea. You know, the problem is, is, is how well you spin that idea out. And this is um, – I read an interview with uh, Charles Sewell, the uh, the writer and creator of the series. Um, you know, he's planning on like a 36-issue run for this mm-hmm. story. Um and so, you know, I, I know that he's got this all planned out and kind of where he's going. But, you know, it does make it hard because you you're not – the further you, sp- you, you run, the further you move away from that really cool idea. You know, the, and well, it's really – it's just an image, you know. I think that's why they got old president being, a, being an ass clown is right. to kind of continue the – you know, to, to, not, to keep him in the forefront of everybody's minds. It's like, oh, yeah, that guy started it. So, you know, uh, Charles Sewell is a rather prolific writer. In fact, I think he's got nine books coming out in September. Um, and I'm not Holy talking about crap. reprints. It's like nine different issues of different comics because he writes for both DC and Marvel and for himself. Um, and he has, maintains a full-time legal practice. I don't know that what is, the, I don't know what cocaine this guy is taking, but uh, dude. <laughs> that is that is Paula Ponte writing. Fast. I know, right? I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. That is crazy. But, you know, I, I, I'm digging letter, letter 44. I'm in for number 10. Um, I'm curious to see, uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see who the first lady's going to bang. That's that's what I'm curious about. <laughs> Apparently just anyone as long as, you know. As long as it advances her husband's agenda. Uh, overall, this wasn't my cup of tea, but neither is Star Trek, Babylon 5, or Doctor Who. So you can draw your own conclusions about that. Oh, speak, well, speaking of Doctor Who, Wayne. Yeah, I watched three episodes of Doctor Who this week. What three? Um, uh, I did In the Name of the Doctor, Day of the Doctor, and Doctor Feelgood. Whatever the hell that that last one was. Doctor Necropath. <laughs> there you go, Doctor. <laughs> so you haven't seen the new Doctor yet? No, I'm watching that tonight. Okay. So I was I was getting ready for Peter Capaldi. So we'll talk about it next week. So all new X Men. Jonathan, you should just go. You're, you already tipped it. You already tipped your hand. I need to hear this because it, it was really hard for me while I was reading to restrain myself from just tweeting about it and just spoiling, <laughs> spoiling my review for the show. Because uh, the first thing I noticed about this book is that the art is awful. Like how? Like, and this is this is number thirty-one of this book. Like, have you guys been reading this book throughout? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so. All I'm thinking while I'm while I'm looking at this art is that like Aaron couldn't get into the the Rocket Raccoon story because he said the art was so terrible. How bad was that Rocket Raccoon art? Because he's in for 31 issues of this. No, no, no. It, 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 Stuart Amonin did the artwork up until this issue. Oh, and then okay. They handed it over to Muhammad Azrar. And uh, my my big problem is like faces, like the way the faces look, and they're not round faces they're kind of like trapezoid faces or whatever like they're weird are you saying non-euclidean geometry are these cthulhu faces uh i i don't know what any of that means except (laughs) i know what cthulhu means okay and i didn't i didn't get a sense of cthulhu i just got a sense of shitty art (laughs) and uh except for the gene gray costume which i thought looked good uh and i also thought the art was good at the very beginning with uh with tony's Tony Stark and Kid Dr. Cho. Right. And uh, I thought that was fine. But after that scene's done, it was just all downhill from there. I didn't like the way the cover looked. Um, Well, if you didn't like the cover, you wouldn't have liked the previous 30 issues because that's a Stuart Amonin cover. Oh, man. Um, But I thought the story was good. Like, I I, I enjoyed the, the, the Bendis story but the art was a huge distraction you know I, I gotta tell you i liked the art you know i, I did i'll go ahead there. But, well i just I, I thought that uh you know mahmoud azrar uh, did a great job on it I, I i really dug the art my only my only complaint about the art is that i don't think gene gray was pretty enough and you know gene gray is always kind of established as this breathtaking beauty and i didn't i didn't get that out of these pages but i really liked uh uh the way he drew uh x23 is that her name yeah, uh-huh. uh, I, I really like the way he drew her. 
Speaking I have of, to agree. I enjoyed the art, and I especially thought that some of the faces were done very well. The females I, didn't all look exactly the same. I liked everything except for the last page. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk – we've talked a lot about the art. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the book. The, the book opens up with in, in the Ultimate Universe with Ultimate uh, Tony Stark and Ultimate uh, uh, whatever his name Dr. is. Dr. Cho. Amadeus Cho. Cho. Yeah, Amadeus Cho. Thank you. Um and there is this, you know, portal that is connecting the Ultimate Universe with what we assume is the the six one six Marvel Universe. Yep, it is the portal. If you go back to Spider Man, the crossover they did, mm-hmm. that's the portal. Okay, so you know, you, you've got this development, and you know, we're seeing the the an energy pattern, you know, that that has a particular shape to it. It looks like an S. It almost looks like the Sentry's S. Um, yeah, I saw. I was afraid it was going to be centuries S when I saw it. Well, and I don't know that that it sure does look like that to me. But uh, you know, so you've got you know the the book starts off with you know folks from the Ultimate Universe you know talking about this portal. You've got you know still have reaction in the book about you know the older X Men going off to hear uh, uh, Professor Xavier's will, and then you know we find a a new mutant who seems to be connected to this portal. And then we wind up with our young X-Men out of time, now out of their own universe and, uh, a, and a, a face up between uh, young Jean gray and miles Morales. That was my comment. Uh, yeah. Kind of dug it. Kind of dug it. So I love the issue, but I share Tim's reaction to the last page. I knew this was a crossover. I knew it was coming. I knew Miles was going to be in the book. But I I really wish that they would leave the two separate. I don't want more crossovers between the 616 and the Ultimate Universe. I love Miles Morales as a character. I love his book. And he doesn't need to keep crossing over. It just makes me worry that they're eventually going to completely get rid of the Ultimate Universe and throw him over in the regular Marvel Universe. And I think that would really hurt the character. So, so two things. One, Celeste has the best joke I've read in this com in in, in this series, which is Celeste is like, I don't know what this guy's name is. Uh, the the kind of chunky guy. He's like, can oh. I tell you guys something? I'm gonna marry Jean Grey. <laughs> and then Celeste is like, you have a better chance of marrying Nate Grey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did like that. That I did like that, even though I didn't know who the characters were that were speaking to each other. Well, well crack me up as you've got a better chance of marrying Nate Gray. And then there's this whole panel. Silence. Nobody says anything. And then the third panel is, if you knew who that was, you'd think that was funny. <laughs> and the other thing is, I, you don't need to mess with these characters anymore. They're already out of time. Mm-hmm. Okay? And like, you guys talk about the Ultimate Universe. It's kind of like a neighbor who has a dog. It's like, Neighbor loves his dog. That's cool. You have your fun over there. But now he's on my side of the fence. <laughs> he's digging up my petunias and pissing all over. I don't need that. Love and that's what I got. Miles Morales in my yard, crapping it up. Love me. So love that's my dog. been one of my. I said that's been one of my ongoing complaints about this book, is it keeps getting pulled into more crazy stories. Like reading this book, the highlight of this issue for me was the Jean Grey talking with X-23 about Warren and just their inner relationship and dealing with uh, Warren not being a kiss-and-tell kind of character. And that's the stuff I want to see the book focused on, is some of these reactions and those characters. But instead, we've had one big event or crossover after another. I mean, it was tied in with the uh, Battle of the Atom, and then we had the Guardians of the Galaxy tie-ins and... It's. I'm afraid that the book is being pulled too far away from what I want to read in it, which is the characters. Well, you know what was missing from the book? Cyclops. Cyclops is is having his own adventures in a better book. Is, <laughs> I, I was I was sitting here honestly thinking it's like out of all my Marvel books, if I had to pare it down to just one, like right now it's Cyclops, and I don't think it's close. Wow. I love this book. It is a good book. So talk to us about uh, it, Tim. So Cyclops continues the stories of our young Cyclops out of time, um, connecting with this. And like last issue, they got stranded on a uh, deserted uh, world, basically. 
and Cyclops found out that his dad is, although his dad is sort of doing drugs, it's not really drugs. It's what's keeping him alive, which is only sort of a half comfort because dude has like, I don't know, 10 vials when, when he crash lands. So it's not good. So it's all about Cyclops trying to, or, or it's more about Corsair trying to convince Cyclops that you shouldn't give up hope and that, you know, your, your older self, what he did is he, he, he got rid of his hope and he's using, he's using rage. And that was such a great conversation. Well, and I thought what was great about it is we're learning so much more about, uh, the choice that Scott Summers made, you know, the elder Scott Summers made, you know, and that he chose rage over hope. And, and, you know, Corsair has this great line where he says, hope will nourish you, but rage will eat you alive. And I was just like, man, that is so well said. You know, I, and I just I love the the relationship between these two characters. You know, Marvel characters all generally have daddy issues. You know, if it's Thor, if it's Peter Parker, if it's, you know, any of those guys, you know, they all kind of have their daddy issues. And it's nice to see, you know, Cyclops who, you know, lost his father, gained a father in Charles Xavier, but connecting to his birth father. I mean, this is really kind of a nice story. And it's so unexpected. You know, I mean, I know we got all got excited about that first issue of Cyclops and we're like, man, this is refreshing. But what's even more refreshing is that they've been able to keep the heart of this book going over these three issues. Um, And, you know, I know we're going to lose Greg Rucka at the end of this arc. I'm just really hopeful that the new team can can pick up where he leaves off. You know, and maybe it's maybe it's the fact that I I don't have Damien and and Bruce Wayne stories anymore that I'm um, hooked so hard on this. But. Really, really, really solid book. It's a solid book, and I mean, the artwork is beautiful. Oh, yeah. And what's great about this book is, you know, you don't have a superhero fight in this book. You know, you do have them, you know, fighting back some of the, uh, the, uh, you know, natural predators. Yeah, Yeah, flying sex snakes, basically. That's what they are. Yeah, I mean, you do. But, I mean, the, the, the conflict and drama is completely driven by character, not by, hey, let's go shoot that thing, you know? And I, I liked the, you know, the solution to their problem and, you know, luring in someone to come help them. Uh, I dug it. I really do like this book. I love the whole book is like, you know, we're going to eat one of those, right, Scott? I don't want to eat that. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you know, we're going to eat one of those. He's like, yeah, why don't we catch some more fish? It's going to happen. Hey, Scott, what's that taste like? <laughs> I'm not saying. <laughs> It's a good book. It was. I loved it. You know, I do. I also like that. You know, he's teaching Cyclops how to fight with a sword. Yeah, that was cool. I, I'm ready for you know Cyclops to start carrying a sword around. That's what I'm ready for. Because because that would, that would be cool. Yeah, it would be cool. So it's a good book. It's a good book. So what other good books do we have, Wayne? You mean what's coming out next week? Oh, and actually, no. I was talking about Guardians of the Galaxy number eighteen. Ah. So I, I, you read that. I read that, yes. Talk to me about it. Well, so Aaron, you know I didn't read any of the Cancerverse stuff. Right. So I had no idea what had happened there. And this is dealing with the end of the Cancerverse storyline. Uh, unlike you, I could care less about uh, the adult Nova. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I found that I didn't really care about this book so much. Oh, you're killing me here. I I enjoyed the uh, you know Gamora with uh, Star Lord conversation. I like their interactions and how he's kind of dreading telling the story. But yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't really care about the story because there was nothing in it for me. And then I realized that not only is that the case, you don't actually find out what happened to Nova in this book because it's at least a two parter at, at very least. Well, so we're ended with nothing being answered yet. Well, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it is a two-part issue uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, who can't do anything in one issue, and uh, with pencils by Ed McGinnis. And generally, I'm not a big fan of Ed McGinnis, but I loved his artwork in this book. I thought he, he had a great style for Thanos, for Star-Lord, and Nova. Um, this issue really kind of scratched me right where I mentioned because uh, I've been rereading the uh, Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, and the original Guardians of the Galaxy series uh, by uh, Abnett and Lanning. 
Yeah, I knew when I read it that you would love it and that probably yeah. Paul would too. And if I had any clue about, you know, if I had the context, I might have really enjoyed it. And I didn't dislike it. It's, I didn't think it was bad writing or anything. I just, I lacked the knowledge of what was going on here. Right. And I lacked the context to really care. Well, and one of the things I thought really, if you're a fan of, of, of those, you know, three titles, Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, and Guardians of the Galaxy with uh, Abnett Landing and Keith Giffen on those uh, three different titles, you're going to enjoy the uh, relationship between Star-Lord and Nova because Bendis very successfully picks up on the camaraderie between these two characters, you know, because they were, they were such close comrades in annihilation and friends and conquest and guardians. Um, I, I thought he did just a magnificent job bringing that over. Um, I dug it. I'm real curious to still curious to see what happens to Nova. Uh, cause Richard, Richard Ryder is my Nova. Um, so we'll wait and see for issue 19. What I was curious about here, Aaron is Drax. Yes. He looks a little different than I'm familiar with him looking, and he seems a lot more powerful than I'm yeah, familiar with him being. They, uh, for whatever reason, he, he's got his uh, skull cap on from his original incarnation in this book, and it's probably because the cancer verse reincarnated or resurrected him. Um, but yeah, he he used to be a lot more hulking of a figure. In fact, you know, the, the, uh, at first glance, I didn't notice the skull cap and I was like, what's the Hulk doing there? And I was like, Oh, it must've been one of the revengers from, from the, uh, uh, cancer verse, but no, it's Drax. And he's just been resurrected because he actually died in the cancer verse in that story. So, uh, I think that he's just coming back in his original Jim Starlin like appearance, which is why he's got kind of the, the skull belt on and the, the skull cap skull cap. But he seems so much more powerful. Yeah. And he was able to go one-on-one with, uh, then yeah you know in those original jim starlin stories he was you know created to kill thanos and so he was a lot more powerful as opposed to the, the character that we're more familiar with from the the current run of guardians and and the actual movie so anyway i i, I can understand hey, why he's a powerful motherfucker he is he is and i can understand why uh you know it didn't ring for you there wayne you know because it, it is kind of uh a story built for those folks who have read those other stories uh, but I, I'm really excited to hear what Paul thinks about it. So, so less yeah. less excited to hear what you think about it, Wayne. Which is <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I I lacked all context in this. I, I completely understand. So, uh, and our next book is Sherwood, which I believe Tim and uh, Jonathan read. Specifically, Sherwood, Texas. Sherwood, Texas. <laughs> Sherwood, do you, Texas. Do you live near Sherwood, Texas, Aaron? Um, I believe that's yonder from here. I, that's that, that's down a couple ranges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll let you go first, Tim. Okay, so Sherwood, Texas, is a reimagined story of Robin Hood. If Robin Hood was about a biker gang, basically. So, and so it's Sons of Anarchy meets Robin Hood. It's basically Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, I mean, you know, if Sons of Anarchy is is Hamlet. Uh, or you know mm-hmm. this, this is this is Robin Hood, and like they stay true to the naming conventions too. So like Robin Hood, they call Rob, and you've got Will. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's kind of it's kind of interesting. You know, I uh, one of the one of the guys' last names must be Prince because well, like when they refer to him, they call him Prince. It, it's kind of neat, you know. Um, so let's see here if I can if I can get this right. You've got you've got the pa- the padre named Tuck. The padre named Tuck. Yep. Little John is this big black man. <laughs> it's, it's who who cool. like who likes to uh, who likes to uh, vandalize his own bar apparently. Yeah. Since, he, since he he throw he throws Rob out a window and I'm like. Rob must be getting the last laugh because Lil John's going to have to pay to replace that shit. <laughs> so this is written by Shane Barry Hill with art by Daniel Hilliard. Um, I liked, I definitely liked the art, and I thought the the story was smartly written. Who's you know, that book from? Who publishes that book? Uh, Twelve Gauge uh, Comics. Thank you. Yeah, 12, 12 Gauge Comics. Uh, it's Who a do a lot of other stuff that I had no idea. Like, like they do a Boondock Saints comic book and really? a comic book co-created and starring Rosario Dawson. I'm like, these sound interesting as shit. Yeah, but like I said, um, the, the the you know 
ri- somebody named Richie the Lion. <laughs> is the that's the catalyst. Is that guy got killed by by a bad gang? It's it's a lot of fun. Like I'm not gonna say it's Sons of Anarchy fun, Aaron, but I mean if 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 you like the story of Robin Hood and it intrigues you to hear it in modern day, this is kind of what they're trying to do. Huh. So Aaron Sherwood, Texas, is off of 67 outside of San Angelo. Okay, so that's about four hours from my house. Is, is it right by uh, Sherwood Forest, like in the book? <laughs> I'm sure. I do not I'm, see a Sherwood Forest on Google Maps. Yeah. It's West Texas. I just Texas. see Sherwood, Texas. It's West Texas, so Sherwood Forest must be like a prairie. How far is it from, <laughs> yeah. How far is it from Nottingham? Uh, yonder. <laughs> it's yonder from, from Nottingham. <laughs> Nottingham County. Well, so, <laughs> so are you guys in for the next issue? Well, oh, yeah. It, we, we should also mention that uh, that this uh, this comic book was a dollar. So uh, you definitely got uh, the bang the bang for yeah. your buck. You got your uh, bucks. And I, I believe it was like twice, like issue one, I believe at least was twice the size as as a normal comic book. Uh, it seemed it seemed like a lot of pages. It, it it does seem like a lot of pages, but it's normal size. Aaron, oh, as our resident Texas expert. Nottingham, Texas is just outside of Houston. So how far is Sherwood from Nottingham? Uh, Sherwood from Nottingham would be about six hours away from each other. Well, you know. Just saying. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I I got nothing for that. I enjoyed the book. I'm I'm in for the next one, and and I'm pleased that uh, unlike uh, Call of Juarez, the cartel, which is a video game, this book depicts the right direction of human trafficking, women being stolen from Mexico and sold in the States <laughs> rather rather than the Mexicans coming over and stealing our women, which is just a gross misrepresentation of, of actual events. So uh, I, I liked that the, that the book covered that in a more respectful way than a big budget video game. Thank you. <laughs> I know when I need my human trafficking facts, I go to Jonathan. That's right. <laughs> um, I'm just amused yeah. that I can throw just about anything into uh, Google Maps and it exists in Texas. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a I, London, I, Texas. There's a Nottingham, Texas. There's, there's a, a Sherwood, te- Texas. There's a Paris, Texas. I, I was, Siri, I was find jackass Texas. I, I, you know, my, my favorite Texas city name is Wizard Wells. <laughs> I, I was making a joke. I am really surprised that all these places exist. <laughs> well, you know, we got a lot okay. of land here, so you know, there's lo- lots of places to have stupid city names. Jackass, Texas, is right off of Lake Anahuka. No <laughs> idea where that is, but it exists. Oh my god! <laughs> so you know what else exists? Ideology of Madness video, and we have our, our resident, uh, you know, filmmaker here. Jonathan, he's going to talk to you a little bit about our YouTube. I mean, I wouldn't call me a, a filmmaker. I, I an, an artist. You're an artist. Is that I basically saying? grab grab pictures from from the internet and put them over audio. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I I noticed when I came back to the show that that uh, Ideology of Madness had had a uh, YouTube channel just sitting there and and uh, collecting dust basically. With the with the last video being posted over four years ago or whatever it was, um, so I decided to do something with it, and and uh, so far I've been doing uh, reviews that we've taken from the show or stuff that we've recorded uh, uh, separately, and uh, and putting images to that. We did a uh, we did a movie review of our uh, our assault on Arkham, uh, and that's up on there, and. Uh, and I've started doing a Let's Play of The Wolf Among Us. Uh, and there's more coming down the line. I, I, I'm thinking about uh, doing some top ten lists because I'm a geek and I love those things. Um, you know, more, more Let's Plays, maybe not necessarily tied into uh, comic books. Um, any, any rants that uh, I can't really fit anywhere else. Like, I'm thinking about doing videos for those and just expanding the content uh, and really, uh, really just hanging on to the, the motto. If we geek about it, we speak about it. Um, um, I wanted to uh, to definitely branch out into all areas of uh, of geek culture. So it's, uh, you know, YouTube.com slash Ideology of Madness. 
and uh, check it out. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, and uh, I appreciate it. Awesome. Wayne, what's coming out next week? All right. We have from DC, everything is a future end book, so I won't be buying anything DC next week. Yeah, I'm thinking that's going to be a cost saver. Yeah, Futures End, uh, Action Comics, Aquaman, Batwing, Detective, Earth 2, Grayson, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, and Swamp Thing. So I won't be touching any of those. It does look like Justice League is going to have a regular issue, though. And the Forever Forever Evil hardcover is coming out. Wayne, Uh, before before you move off of DC, the Batwing has its own ongoing? (laughs) You You said the issue of Batwing was coming out, right? Yeah, Batwing is a character now. It's not Batman's plane. No, no, it's not. I might buy it if it were Batman's plane. <laughs> that would be awesome. It's like a, an AI in Batman's plane. That would be, be sweet. Bat, Batwing, <laughs> is, Bat, Batwing is the last holdover from Graham Morrison's Batman Inc. thing. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's, there, that's, there you go. You're okay. welcome. Well, it should be the plane. DC, give me a call. We'll make it happen. Make some money. So, you know, on the subject of Batman, you know, when they were when my staff was singing happy birthday to me, they all put on Batman masks. Nice. Just saying. Aww. I thought I was I thought I was going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> my wife crocheted me a Batman for my birthday and I, a Groot, I, you a know, baby we, Groot in a uh, pot. We have not talked about it here, but the uh, ba- the baby Groot that your wife made for you is fucking awesome, Wayne. Yeah, I have yeah, so sweet. many people walk by my office and just stop and glance in because they have it right at you know right out in the open, so it's one of the first things people can see. Yeah, it is. It is awesome. I I gotta tell you, I'm very impressed by that. I'm impressed by all the stuff that your wife makes. You know, your various uh, you know scarlet spider uh, items and you know yarn and darned things. I just I, I, she just <laughs> does some amazing work. You really don't deserve it, Wayne. I think that's what Wayne's. That is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I frequently. Uh, Posted saying, you know, I'm going to make Aaron jealous. Yeah. No, no the, the Groot thing was just fantastic. Yeah, it's really cool. All so right. I'm sorry, what else is coming out next week? Wayne? From Image, we have a book called God Hates Astronauts, number one, that may catch me <laughs> just on the name, but apparently that was a webcomic originally. And they reached out to Kickstarter, and Image is giving him a first issue of it. Uh, Marvel, we've got She Hulk, Spider Man 2099. And the first issue of Death of Wolverine, which I think oh, I'm going to jump on board make a note. for. Are you really? Oh, yeah. finally. I think really? i got to make a note because i got a buddy that wants me to buy this crap for him. And you know Paul will be buying it. But why, why do you have to buy it for him? Well, he'll pay me back, but I can buy it and then bitch about it on here and then go uh, deliver it to him the, you know, the same day. Gotcha. So I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not shelling out money for him, no. So, so but, you're going to pre-read his comic? Basically. Gotcha. No, I think this is the best practice. I wish that I could find somebody to buy my shitty comics. Paul, Paul does it. <laughs> Paul. Yeah, Paul does that for you all the time. It's like, Aaron, you're reading this, and you tell him no, and then he gives you the free code, and you're like, I guess. Yeah, a fair point. Yeah, I, I am pretty sure you'll get a free code for Death of Wolverine number one. <laughs> no uh, no promises, Someone. but I might, I might be in on that because uh, – because if, if the title lets me know that I'm going to be pleased by the end, so unless it's a bait and switch, it's, it's oh, a mini then, series. Oh, <laughs> then I will rant. Yeah, yeah it's a mini series, so don't expect them to die in the first issue. And uh, last book here is the one I'm sure Paul's really waiting for: My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, number twenty-three. Oh yeah, we are so reading that one. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll see. I'll see what I can do. Landreth, you're no. in. No. <laughs> You know that there will be nothing better than a My Little Pony discussion with Jonathan. <laughs> That's right. And uh, no. Tim will trash the book worse than me, but I'll get all the hate. Yeah. I'll definitely make it a YouTube video as well. <laughs> a YouTube review. Uh, if you, if you want to alienate people, we go ahead and bring My Little Pony to next It's Saturday. not alienating people. It's it, it's being inclusive, Tim. Yeah, it's Tim. the exact opposite of what you're doing. No, yeah. Jonathan, what you missed is we've We've covered My Little Pony once before, and a lot of people were mad at me because Tim and I both have a lot of hate for My Little Pony. Well, and Tim's head almost exploded. <laughs> <laughs> so those are some of my favorite moments. Ben, you guys, you guys just need to need to read that book so that uh, just just for the fact that 
of creating more favorite moments for Aaron. Exactly. You know, I, it, Tim is kind of like a Warner Brothers cartoon. His face gets all red and steam comes out of his ears. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love that shit. <laughs> I, 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 have a, I have a gif at work. Is Sylvester the cat banging his head repeatedly into a telephone pole? That gets sent a lot when I'm working. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> Tim, I need this yesterday. Sylvester. So coming up the weekend of September 5th on the site is episode two of Knights of Rainsboro season three in the United Tribes, the reign of Iron Claw. So very exciting stuff there. Uh, lots to look forward to on the feed. We got video on the feed. We got Rainsboro on the feed. We got funny books on the feed. It's crazy what's over there. People are doing work. I know. Right? Not me, but people <laughs> are. <laughs> All I right. feel like I feel like secretly Rob Hall's doing most of the work. Seems like that's, that's it's not, not all that secret. Well, it's not a secret. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not all a secret. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, which by the way, Gen Con was awesome. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Didn't get to say that and, for two weeks. And there's your Gen Con journal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to know about Gen Con, you can check you can check out the Ideology of Madness website and read Rob Hall's thirty pages or my three, one of the two. So, uh, Tim. Yeah. Your feet hurt. Okay, so I didn't bring it up, but um, I so okay, th- three minutes. I I had two I had two shoes staring at me when I was leaving on Wednesday. I had my old shoes, which were comfy, but you know they could fall apart at any moment. And I had my newer shoes that are still kind of new, but I figure what's the best way to you know like I can just walk them into shape. Yeah, you know how hard <laughs> it is to to blister to, to blister your heel. That happened. Ouch! <laughs> I did not. I did not bitch once. Those those shoes should have been pretty worked in though after the orc stomp. Yeah, exactly. I, oh yeah. Oh, but yeah. you understand where I was coming from now, right, Tim? I'm not. I'm. You I'm just not didn't vocalize it. I'm not getting involved in this. I'm. <laughs> I figured that no matter what decision I made, I would have gonna made the, make the wrong one. If I'd have brought the old ones, they would have just exploded by Friday, and then I wouldn't have had shoes. God, you're hysterical. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's your Gen Con journal. And yeah, I still have a blister. But you know what? Real men don't whine about it. <laughs> Booyah. It, it's not a Gen Con if someone's not talking about feet blisters, though. Uh-huh. Well, listen, and yeah, when they when they said, hey, you want to walk a 5K? It's like, I, I got to walk through this convention hall still and buy shit. <laughs> so it wasn't even the convention hall that got me. It was the group I was with kept walking further and further for restaurants and bars. Fuckers. And a strip club. Well, okay, well, strip club. That's 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 a whole other issue. But really, you should have a town car take you to the strip club. That's how Paul I, always does it. You know, after the fact that, you know, at the Fear the Con that we went to with Jonathan, he almost got lost. Like, I think if we bring him to Indianapolis for Gen Con, like, we would never see him again. <laughs> it would just, uh-huh. it would be another four years without Jonathan. It would be like, what the <laughs> fuck happened to him? I, I have no idea. I, and I'll, I'll tell you, like, stuff like that, like... Fear the Con seemed like the perfect event for me because it was so uh, it, it it was a it was a more intimate setting, and I really enjoyed that. My experience at other conventions has not been good. I mean, even even past like you know having my girlfriend cheat on me or <laughs> or, or watching watching people eat fecal matter like those those created stories and I like that aspect. But the cons the con itself not fun. Like it's just a lot of walking around, and like I'm not a person who buys much, and I don't really uh, get into activities with people I don't know. Uh, I mean, except yeah. in bed. So, <laughs> it, you know, I, That's how you met I think I think any conventions I go to in the future are going to be uh, named Fear the Con. So, not Fear so the that's Con. Con. Yeah, All right, guys, you guys have a good week. Bye, everybody. Later. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.